0: Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Hello and welcome to the Super Bayern Podcast. What an exciting week it has been for Bayern Munich fans. Amidst ongoing rumors that the club could lose two key players in David Alaba and Thiago this summer, the Bavarians finally put an end to the Leroy Sané transfer saga by officially announcing their new number 10 on Friday. Bayern then capped off their week by securing another domestic double with a DFB-Pokal final win over Bayer Leverkusen. I'm Benjamin Scott, and I'm here to talk about all of that with my friends Tim Richards Hello and Sebastian Zimmerman. Hi. Well, Before we get into the uh, truly exciting news, as I, as I would call it, we do need to talk about Yesterday's DFB Pokal final win, uh, where Bayern did complete another domestic double with a win over Bayer Leverkusen. They won four to two. Um, It was a bit of an odd match in that Bayern weren't completely at their best, at least in my opinion. Uh, And and maybe another team could have you know punished them for that. But at the same time, Bayern were very dominant. Um, so was this kind of some weird stuff going on? Uh, But Tim, is that kind of the way that you saw it as well? Um, Bayern not quite at their best, but still put away the match pretty easily.
1: Yeah, it was a it was a strange one. Like Bayern scored 4 goals, Leverkusen scored 2 goals. It's a it's a scoreline that really doesn't accurately reflect how the game was. I think Bayern were were certainly dominant, but then the more I think back, I'm like, were they dominant because Leverkusen like squandered so many chances. Like I think I, I quite like Kevin Voland as a player. Mm-hmm. Um I think he's the sort of player that every squad could kind of do with somebody that's going to get in there and do the dirty work and like kind of play in whatever position he, he needs to, I think he'd probably do quite well at a team like Atletico Madrid in that sense. Um, but yeah, he was shocking. My goodness, he was shocking. Um, like there was that one chance in particular where I think the ball come from the right. Was it DRB yeah. maybe? Moussa yeah. Diaby. And uh, it looked like, is it, I have it in my mind that Kevin Volland is a right footed player.
0: No, nah, he's left footed.
1: Is he? Okay. Um, <laughs> Well, I guess that makes it even worse then. Um, yeah,
0: it wasn't great.
1: Yeah, it was, oh, oh boy, it was not good at all. I saw something um, on
0: Twitter that, that kind of summarized his match. It was like Kevin Volland positioning 10 out of 10, finishing 0 out of 10. And then the first response yeah. was even more fitting. It was like, don't you think 0 out of 10 is a bit high? So yeah. it kind of summarizes how it went for him.
1: Yeah, very, very much so. I think it's, it's, it's a shame because obviously like it's a high pressure match and you know, with all due respect, Leverkusen aren't a team that typically feature in finals. Um, but I think the last final that they featured in, I may have this wrong, probably was the 2001-2 Champions League final against Bayer Leverkusen. I don't think Kevin Volland was in that fixture. Um, but like you don't really know like, what's going to happen. Obviously, it's a high-pressure situation. It's it's big. Um, but yeah, that, that whole passage of play really summed it up for Leverkusen as... They do everything right except for the most important thing. Um, and the team just kind of looked to fall apart. There is one moment I really vividly remember this was about I think like 70-75 minutes in where Leverkusen like launched a counter-attack because like they, they can break at speed and they can be very, very dangerous. And we saw that earlier this season in the league. They were they were charging forward and then Bayern reclaimed possession. And then I think it was like four on two. And um, it just looked as if I think it like Perisic had the ball on, on the left wing and tried to cross in. I think maybe Lewandowski missed it. Um, but it just looked like there was like 15 minutes left. And like Leverkusen still had a chance to get in. They just didn't look interested. Mm. They were like, OK, well, this, this game's over anyway. And then obviously they missed and they were like, actually, no, like we can still do this. It was just, it was very odd. Like, I don't know if Bayern played well. I think like they kind of did, but at the same time, they could have done way better. Like we, it could have been 4-2. It could have been 4-0. It could have been 8-0. Like it's really hard to to say exactly what this game was. It was entertaining from a neutral perspective, a couple of good goals, some nice movement and some really interesting and exciting players to watch. But yeah this was this was an this was an odd game this is a very odd game
0: yeah very odd and even on top of that you know Lucas uh, Hradecky giving away a goal that um probably shouldn't have been a goal you know you can give credit to Robert Lewandowski for taking a shot that kind of caught him off guard but um still horrendous goalkeeping at that but Tim talked about how um, Leverkusen are much better in attack Sebastian than they are defending and it's uh it's no surprise to see them score against Bayern Munich because they seem to always do that but uh yesterday was the first time we've seen Kai Havertz play against Bayern Munich this season. So, how do you think the Bayern backline held up against the uh the young German?
2: Yeah, I definitely think this went pretty well because Havertz really had a hard time while he was playing as a striker. Later uh when he played a bit a bit deeper, uh still it wasn't his best match not at all. I mean, uh, we have definitely seen brilliant performances from him where he basically yeah, it's it's the main factor of a game. Maybe not quite deciding the game on on his own, but pretty close, I guess. And this was really far from it. He was not uh, the most dangerous player on their side by 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 a bit, I would say. So yeah, not not definitely not his best performance. A bit disappointing uh, from him. I mean, in this case, <laughs> I'm not going to complain too much because it really worked out well for Bayern. But yeah, this is this is not the Kai Havertz I would like to see at Bayern maybe in the future. Uh, this is more the Kai Havertz I would love to see at Real Madrid <laughs> or something. Uh, but yeah, so I, I'm I'm really uh, was was quite happy with our defense. Uh, Boateng and Alaba were among the best players on the field, I would say. I think uh, also talking about Havertz, this game didn't really feel like like a Pokal finale to me, really. Uh, maybe it didn't for, for Kai Havertz either. Maybe this, uh, was not exactly helping. I don't know. Uh, p- people have, t- have been talking a lot about how this, uh, these games without, uh, uh w- without people in the stands doesn't really feel like Bundesliga. It doesn't really feel like proper professional football. But yeah, this time this kind of really struck me. I'm not really sure if the audience played a major role there. But for, for some reason, this game didn't feel like a Pokal, a Pokal match and definitely not like a Pokal finale where anything can happen and where you can really feel the pressure and where usually Bayern players also are very aware that this can go all sorts of wrong if, if they, uh, yeah, don't do, uh, uh to do their best. So this, this was really kind of strange. And maybe this also plays into the, the this whole thing about Harvard. uh, yeah, I guess one thing I also uh, would like to add is, uh, coming back to the topic of dominance, this was an interesting kind of dominance, I would say, because I, I also feel that Bayern was pretty dominant, but I was kind of shocked when I looked at the stats after the match, uh, because, let me look that up again real quick, because the possession in the end uh, was just 51%, which was really surprising to me. I would have guessed that it would would have been way higher, more in the like 65% range or something like that, even with Leverkusen getting a bit stronger in the second half. I guess I kind of like that, but also it's it's just a bit weird that that I didn't didn't see it. It's because usually I, I I would recognize that they are dominant while not having the ball all the time. But it yeah it did feel like they had the ball way more than they actually had. So it really was kind of a strange game for me too.
0: Yeah, I think um, what you're talking about there. You know, Peter Bosch's sides always like to have possession. And I think uh, the statistics you just brought up kind of speaks to um, Hansi Flick as a manager and this Bayern team as a whole, the, the adaptability they have that, you know, even when they're not dominating possession um, or even when they're, I guess, barely having more of the possession than the other team, it still feels like they're dominating the match. Uh, but Sebastian, I think you're on the right track. It definitely did not feel like a championship game. It did not feel like a final Um and Tim, I wonder, maybe um, Sebastian kind of hinted at this, but do you think that played into Byron's hands very well, that there wasn't so many fans in, in the crowd and um, there wasn't this you know, huge expectation or pressure playing on them that you could just go out and do their own thing?
1: Yeah, I think I, we probably kind of mentioned this in the last couple of episodes, how I think mentally Bayern are kind of like a step ahead of a number of their opponents so obviously you've got guys like Moussa Diaby and Leon Bailey who are maybe quicker than than Serge Nabri, maybe not Coman but like they could be quicker they could be stronger they could be taller but then you have to go into that slightly less tangible uh characteristic of okay but can they handle pressure or like do they need something else going for them um so I think it, it certainly does uh does help Bayern in that sense. Although maybe maybe the argument is does it help Bayern or does it hinder Leverkusen? Um because I think they are they are two different uh two different principles. Um I think the fact that Bayern have kind of seen that yeah we can win trophies without a crowd, which obviously isn't the mindset that Bayern are going to be taking forward, because I think the the relationship that the club has with its fans is quite remarkable. And so they obviously are going to appreciate the importance of having an audience. But I do think that the fact that they've lifted the Bundesliga, was it last week, I think? I don't know. Time's an illusion at this point. It doesn't mean anything to me. (laughs) Um, But the fact that they were able to win all of these games, you can use that momentum and go into the next game being like, oh, it doesn't matter that there aren't any fans. We know that we can do this. Whereas Leverkusen have had like a bit, like they they had a couple of good runs like when and Bailey and Havertz were were combining quite nicely. But I, I do I do genuinely think that not having uh not having a crowd certainly did impact one of the teams. And also I think I'm very much with Sebastian. Like it doesn't it didn't feel like a cup final. Um I think the fact that you didn't really have like banners and like the crowd noise. Um like you didn't have all of these things that make it such a a fun uh, spectacle to be a part of. I was fortunate enough to actually be in the stadium last year and it's incredible and there's there's nothing like it. But then this was just so vastly different. Strangely though, I know that I've I've said it a couple of times before, like the last few games have kind of seemed a little bit almost alienating to me. This was a game that I was genuinely excited for. I think it's because it was, well, it's like it's a knockout competition and I know that if buy and lose, that's it. Whereas in the last few Bundesliga games, I thought if buy and lose, that's fine. They'll just win next week. Um, but o- outside of that, it definitely did not feel like um, like a cup final. And it's it's a huge shame that games of this uh, of this scale have to be played um, in these circumstances. But you know, you can really only complain so much. Like it has to be done.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're at, we're at the point where you know you you have to play. Um given the, or underneath the circumstances that are presented in front of you. So, I mean, for those who want to take away, you know, oh, Byron only won, maybe because there's no fans, there's no pressure. Well, I mean, they couldn't help that at all. It's something outside of their control. Uh, either way, Byron have, again, won a domestic double, uh, the first one under Hansi Flick, hopefully, of, of very, very many. But we'll go ahead and move on to um, what I would consider the more exciting news for the week, the saga is over. Leroy Sané, after a year of pursuit from Bayern Munich, is officially a Bayern player as of Friday. Uh, the move has dominated the headlines for most of the week. Uh, the reports came out Tuesday that, that the deal was done. It was confirmed by the club on Friday. He's signed a five-year contract. He's going to wear the number 10 um, officially after Philippe Coutinho leaves the club. It's rumored that that this is going to cost Bayern less than 50 million euros or or he costs Bayern less than 50 million euros. Um, And some say it has the potential to go up to 60 million with various clauses that could be met. But Sebastian, I know you're not the biggest fan of Leroy Sané, so um, I won't ask you about him as a player specifically, but just looking at the financial side of the deal, we're signing a player that is easily worth 80 million euros, probably more for under 50 million euros. Surely we can at least see this as further proof that Bayern really are the best in the business when it comes to the transfer market.
2: Yeah, I have to agree uh, with that. Uh, The only downside I I see with this really is that it's ruining the market for all our future uh, endeavors on the transfer market this summer. Uh, because everyone is going to look at this and say okay i 'm not going to buy Tiago for eighty million when euro uh is signed for like fifty million uh, maybe i hope it's uh, i hope it 's not ruining the harvard's transfer market too much, or maybe I hope that it ruins it enough so, so yeah, I do 't know so that this is this is really the only negative I can see with this um, I think people uh in five or ten years from now a uh, few, few of them might remember how people talked about Hassan Salih uh, in his early in his career as a sport director at Bayern. Um, because really th- now this is, this is looking like a brilliant deal and nobody is going to be able to fault anyone for not doing this a year earlier. I believe even in this Corona situation, I think this is still a brilliant price. This is. Well, someone ha- has to have done something right there, and I would say more than one person probably. So this is really looking very, very good. There's really nothing y- you can you can you can find problematic with with this number. If, if you think Lira Sene is at least a capable player, you're g- going to be satisfied with with this. So yeah, and 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 I want to emphasize this again. This looks very good for Hasan Salihamidžić, and we, we we will probably also talk about other things um, that make him look pretty good. And, uh, yeah, I'm really in- interested to see how this is going to turn out, how fans are thinking about Hasan Salihamidzic now and how, how the media might come around. Uh, because, yeah, uh, I think we've talked about this a bit. He has been criticized so much and ridiculed even uh, by fans, but also to an extent by the media and hasn't always looked so great but we also talked about how he can improve, and there are great chances to turn this around for him. And and I think he's really on a very good good way to turn this uh, situation around with the media and uh, with people, uh, with with fans, with fans of other teams. Um, I I really think there has to be a lot of respect for what has been achieved here, and Hasan Salihamidzic definitely played a large part in that. So yeah, uh, I I would not say necessarily that I'm entirely excited about the prospect of having Leroy Sané. Now, I'm still kind of uh, cautious, but I'm kind of positive on it by now, because I think we all agree that Hansi Flick is probably someone uh, who can make the best out of this situation. He's going to make uh, he's definitely going to make the best out of a player he really wanted. And at this point, I think it is pretty clear that Hansi Flick wanted this player. And yeah, when he wants a player and and he gets it, he gets that this player. Yeah, I, I'm just very, 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 very confident that this is going to work out, and he knows how to treat this player and how to make it all work in his system. So, yeah, not overly excited, but still not not unhappy, as I would have been if he would have signed Leroy Sane last year for 130 million or something crazy like that. Then I, I would really have, uh, yeah, have been uh, critical of this, but now I, I, I really can't be all that critical.
0: You bring up a few points that are worth talking about, um, uh, because Leroy Sané he he spoke on a few things himself in a recent interview that um kind of explained why he chose Bayern Munich, and he brought up both of the both of the points that you kind of just talked about. So first, he mentioned Hansi Flick directly. Now, of course, if if the reports are to be believed, Sané was wanting to come to Bayern last summer when Niko Kovac was still in charge, but that has become you know he mentioned Hansi Flick, saying that he knew him from playing at the the younger German national team levels, and he played a big part in secu- or making sure that Sané wanted to come. But then on top of that, talking about Hasan Salihamidzic, uh, Leroy Sané talked about how Bayern came to him and presented him with a plan, which is something, it's almost become a meme that we see every time Bayern signs someone is that, you know, Bratzo went there, showed them the plan, they ended up signing. You know, it happened with uh, Tangi Kwasi, who I guess we should be calling Nianzu now. Uh, I think that's what he wants to go by. Um, Alfonso Davies after that. You know, Lucas Hernandez is still up in the air, how that's going to turn out. But yeah, Tim, we've all been kind of critical about Salihamidzic in the past, but I know that you especially were very critical uh, of him during the time when Nico Kovac was coming under fire. So kind of with hindsight now, do you think maybe we were a bit harsh on Salihamidzic and he should get a lot of credit, you know, for what's going through with not only attracting young guys like Davies, and Nianzu to come to this club, but also you know, securing the big signings like Leroy Sané, who just seems extremely happy to be joined, joining Bayern Munich from everything that you see on social media right now.
1: Yeah, I think that like the, just to kind of highlight the fact that Leroy Sané has a very enjoyable smile to look at. It's just so wholesome and to see that. Uh, it is really great to see him so happy and, and speak so highly of you know, I was told what the plan was. Like, I I fully believe the um the system in place. That whole like trust the process idea, I quite like that. As somebody that used to work in presentation design, any mention of a famous PowerPoint, I'm all over that. Big fan of that. Um, talking about Sally Hamidich as a like as his role as sporting director, um, I I think it it to be incredibly cynical here. I think it can be very easy to say like it was all him. I don't doubt that it was in large part to do with Sally Hamadich, because he's clearly got some form of uh, of benefit and, and credit to his ability. Um, and I, th- I think he's certainly learned from how things went with Hudson-Odoi and how things went with Sane last year. Um, I think he's managed to kind of like keep himself out of trouble, uh, which is great that you can kind of see this very evident uh, development and and growth as a as a professional saying that i don't think anybody really understands what a sporting director is supposed to do or like uh what a um a head of football a director of football i think it's called so many different things um i I remember reading something about mateus Summer, maybe um because i think it was very much like circumstantial that Bayern's treble season coincided with his arrival at the club. And I think it, there is kind of like that correlation to say like, okay, well, he wasn't here before. And all of these things happened with Christian Nerlinger. So that for that reason, you can kind of say that Nerlinger is the problem there. And Matthias Sam is much better. I think obviously he's going to be seen as some sort of like barometer. Um, I'm, I'm willing to, to admit that I got things wrong about Sally Helmedic. Um but at, at the same time, I think it is still it's very early to say that he is the reason why these things are happening. Like the buying organisation is huge and like it extends way beyond the players on the pitch. It extends beyond Hansi Flick. It, it extends far beyond Sally Hamadich, Collins, henst Oliver Kahn, all of these people. Like there are so many people involved in every step of the process to kind of put every success on one person. Is is the exact same thing as putting every failure on another person. Justice from a boy, Niko Kovac, of course. Um, so I'm I'm willing to say yes, he's done well here, um, but I am also kind of quite cautious in saying this would not have been at all possible if it wasn't for this person. Yeah. So I mean, credit where credit is due.
0: Maybe we should also but, give uh, Leon Goretzka a special mention because he's been campaigning on social media for a long time. To get very Ray much Sunday so. to come come to Bayern, so maybe he's the uh, the secret uh, agent playing all the all the kind of cards behind the back. But that's not the only big transfer news that's come out this week, though. It is the only really positive transfer news. Um, it is a come to fruition that apparently tiago does want to leave Bayern Munich. He hasn't signed a new contract. It was uh, even confirmed by Karl Heinz Rummenigge that Bayern had agreed to all the terms, all the terms that uh, his agents had laid out and. Everything was on the table, and Thiago decided not to sign. Um, and Ruminega made it very clear that Bayern do not want to lose anybody on a free next summer, and they would rather sell them this summer, uh, insinuating very much that Thiago could be sold in the coming weeks or months. And there's been a lot of rumors indicating that there's interest from Liverpool. Uh, Jurgen Klopp was asked about that today, and he decided or he declined to comment on it. So you can read into that whatever you will. Um, Some reports are saying that he could be sold for as low as 35 million euros. Uh, Sebastian, you kind of brought that up earlier, how the Leroy Sané move may have some negative effects, but fans are really divided about uh, what this would mean for Bayern Munich. Um, Sebastian, do you think this move, you know, Thiago leaving um, the club would hurt Bayern significantly? And what would you think about a 35 million euro fee?
2: Well, I think I'm kind of still... uh... The most negative of us four on Tiago, uh, which is not saying much, um, here because, uh, I really came around to him, uh, playing, playing on the six, playing next to Kimmich. I was really happy with his play, now uh, uh, because he, he really stepped up. He really got rid of these stupid mistakes. I think, uh, Flick also played a large role on that. And of course, Joshua Kimmich played a large role. All that being said, Uh, does it really hurt us a lot? Is it really significant? Is it really going to be a significant issue for us? We're we're going to have to deal with, uh, when you ask it like this, I'm not all that sure, I guess. I think we we have a, have a pairing on the double six with Goretzka and Kimmich that is uh, perfectly capable, uh, of, yeah, being, being our starters, uh, and doing a very good job on the, uh, on this position. Of course, Goretzka and Tiago are, quite different players. Uh, I don't think we necessarily need a player in the mold of Thiago in that position. Uh, I also don't think we necessarily need a player uh, like Goretzka in that position. I think we, we have a bit of flexibility because Kimmich is a pretty versatile player. He can do a bit of what Thiago does. He can do a bit of what Goretzka does. So we are, yeah, we just have options uh, on, on that position and I think we don't necessarily exactly need Thiago. Uh, another point here. Is he's now at an age where you can kind of think about letting letting him go? And if I compare him to other players uh, who are also rather uh, towards kind of slowly towards the end of their careers, kind of or to the yeah to the autumn <laughs> of their careers, if you will, um, I would say uh, I, w- I would prefer for players to, to stay who are. Yeah, just more connected to the club, to the identity of this club, like, like Thomas Müller, like David Alaba. So when this is the choice, who, who, who of those players are you going, going to, uh, have on, on your team for three, four, five more years? You're not going to want like five players of that, in, of that age group, uh, playing all the time, of course. So maybe if you have to take this decision, Tiago is someone I can accept. Uh, seeing leave i guess so this is this is also a factor that comes comes into play here talking about the price tag now i think 35 million huh, it's it's not it's not great but if you compare it to sene so if sene is basically uh your, your your blueprint your comparison here yeah you you cannot really expect much more because sene is yeah uh, how, how many years younger is he? is it or is it five? Let me check real quick. Five. Yeah, it's five. So it's pretty much five years, I think, right? You know, so it's pretty much five years. So, um, yeah, fifteen million difference. Yeah, it probably compared to com- compared to Sane, with both of them uh, uh, having just one more year on their contracts. I guess it could even be lower compared to Sene. So. But obviously we think that Sene is still pretty cheap for, for what he can do. So of course I would like to be, like the price tag to be slightly higher than that. Maybe you can get a bit more. Maybe you can make that 40 and then it's going to, going to feel a bit better for me. Um, and I guess I also want to add that I'm pretty excited for what's going to happen in the future in our central midfield and in in our defensive midfield because there are so many young, exciting players now that can play this position. Obviously, it also opens up the possibility of Alaba maybe uh, playing playing in, uh, in defensive midfield at times. There, there's Adrian fine. Uh, there's uh, there's Cuisance. Obviously, uh, yeah, there, there, there's just a lot of options there, and uh, and I think it's going to be really exciting. And we're uh, I'm just curious how how this uh, turns out in the end. Who's going to play most of the time? What what are the young players going to do? Uh, with the, with the shots they're going to get. We are also, we also talked, talked about, uh, Kwesi or Nienzu, however you want, you want to call the guy. He can also play on this position. So yeah, very, very exciting. And I think that's definitely something that, yeah, that, that, uh, m- makes this, uh, possible transfer of Thiago way, way less stinging, at least to me, that there are, yeah, just so ma- so many interesting possibilities for the future there.
0: We brought up the name David Alaba a few times, and of course, he still hasn't signed his contract, um, either, and so his future is very much up in the up in the air as well. But uh, based on what you were saying, it seems like if it comes down to signing Tiago long term or signing Alaba long term, you would definitely say Alaba is the way to go, right?
2: Yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. Very much
0: so, so, um, Tim, I'm interested to hear your perspective on it as well, because some would say that losing Tiago going to be a huge blow to Bayern and that they you know they're not going to be able to find someone to help run the midfield as well um are you more of that perspective or do you kind of uh, lean towards Sebastian that you know losing Thiago would obviously mean Bayern lose a great player but they're going to be able to move on without him
1: yeah it's a very much a catch-22 I think for like to compare Tiago and Alaba, if, if it's an either or thing, it's really difficult because I think from a sporting perspective, it's kind of fine to lose somebody like David Alaba. We've got centre-backs, we've got left-backs, like that's that's fine. We don't really have somebody that can do what Tiago does. Like as, as Sebastian said, we've got Greska, we've got Cuisance, we've got Taliso, I guess, maybe. We've got people that can play in central midfield, but nobody that can really do it quite with the same sort of it's not even just the flair that he brings it seems to be this i guess this indescribable quality like nobody in the squad currently has that so from a sporting perspective it wouldn't make sense to let him go from uh you know beyond the sporting side of things yeah it makes sense to keep david alaba he's from the academy he clearly loves the club um and as kind of, and we've all seen him grow so much over the past well like in particular we've seen him grow a lot over the past year um let alone like how he's progressed from you know just a young guy that was kind of doing whatever he told him to do like he's now you know he's now the teacher with somebody like alfonso davies um whereas tiago he isn't an academy graduate like he came from barcelona and if he wants to go back to barcelona then you know that makes makes sense from him i know that i always bring up like the the storytelling side of things but i think in in that sense there is that whole sentimentality to it but by the same token tiago is somebody that has kind of forced that um that sense of identity with the club on himself like he's so dedicated to it like we've Spoken a number of times about how even if he's having a bad day, even if he's having a bad game, he is still trying his absolute hardest for the club. It's, it's really difficult. And in, in my eyes, it's, it's easy. You give them literally anything that they want. I don't run a football club for that exact reason. Um, like I would not be good because I would just, I just want everybody to get on and be friends and stay for as long as possible. um, <laughs> But It's it's hard, it's a really difficult situation in an ideal world. I think, as Sebastian has has suggested, the whole Sane transfer has kind of warped everything in a positive way. So, if Bayern can buy Sane for you know 50 million, then somebody says, Okay, well, surely in that case, Tiago's worth like 20 million. Bayern would probably quite aggressively decline that offer. Um, so, like, with any luck. It is just something that, you know, will just take a little bit of time. Um and and everything will kind of work out well. Uh, if I was to like if I was a betting man, I'd say that it's more likely that Alaba stays than Tiago does. Um but as I said, like I want both of them to stay. Um if and also I I wouldn't know where either of them would go. I know that like Liverpool needs depth at left back. I would be furious if Alaba goes to left back um, to goes to Liverpool, um, but then I do like the idea of him instantly benching Andy Robertson. Like maybe he'd go to City. Like I I really have no idea. It's it's a difficult one.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean Liverpool are the ones reportedly interested in Thiago uh, of all people, and um, I do think he would walk in and immediately start in that midfield. As talented as it is, you brought up an interesting point. Obviously, Bayern don't have anyone that comes as a like-for-like replacement for Thiago. But I think you could take that one step further and say there's there's hardly a like-for-like replacement for Thiago in, in football in general. He has such a unique skill set when it comes to you know his ball control, his passing ability, um, his rather diminutive size coupled with a surprising physicality and a- ability to play a bit more defensive than you would think for a player as elegant on the ball as him. So... He's not really someone that you can say, well, if we lose him, we're going to replace him with someone else. And it would be like for like. And, and I'd also don't think that's what Bayern need. Um, but if, if they are to lose him, if they are to lose Thiago, do you think that it would be imperative for Bayern to uh, sign another midfield option? Uh, and Sebastian, I'll go to you for that one.
2: I guess this also depends on who else we're, we're going to keep uh this is one, uh, one, one person here is alaba do we keep alaba because i'm interested as i said in seeing maybe alaba seeing alaba uh, in central midfield at some point uh this is of course also uh, contingent on what's going to happen with toliso and what's going to happen with Javi martinez uh i think we definitely have the numbers in midfield especially central midfield so uh w- with everyone staying i i don't i don't think uh, we we need anyone there I think we, we definitely have enough players, but we also have enough good players and players with a variety of different skill sets. Uh, I would I would really hate for uh, people like Adrian Fine not getting enough shots. I would also hate for people like Chris Quissons maybe uh, getting pushed out and maybe uh, s- uh, still going somewhere on a loan because we're getting someone in who's who's a bigger name or something. I, I would really not like that uh, because I'm, I'm really excited about those young guys, uh, and I really don't don't want to see this ruined. Uh, I think as, as a starter, as starters, basically we we already have Kimmich and Goretzka in place. This pairing has worked very well. So what what we are talking about re- is really: do we need a better first backup? Do we need to get a, a, a star, kind of star player, in a player with more with a bigger name than than those young guys? To be, well, a contender for Goretzka, and I really don't don't think don't think we need that, and that's still uh, kind of excluding Alaba because Alaba is arguably uh, the, the bigger name over Goretzka still, and we could also play him there. So no, I really think that would be a waste of resources, and yeah, it it would be a shame to see. All those players I would really love to see on those positions not getting the shots they really, really deserve. I mean, we have seen that with, with Kissons. And yeah, Adrian Fein is just also such an exciting player. Mm-hmm. I really would hate that.
0: That's also not to mention, I, I would assume now that Thiago is likely on the way out, that Corentin Taliso would be staying at the club as well. And and by the way, he seemed to be enjoying himself very much so in yesterday's celebration uh, despite not playing, so it still seems like he loves the club. Still seems like he wants to be there. And you know, if Thiago's on the way out, maybe this is Tolisso's way back into the starting eleven, way to way back into at least fight for his position, be that um, sort of competition to Goretzka, alongside Kisanti, alongside Adrian Fine, and potentially even David Alaba. Uh, one person that we know will not be coming in this summer to uh, take the place of Thiago should he leave will be Kai Havertz because. Karl-Heinz Rummenigge confirmed in the same interview uh, where he said Thiago may be leaving that Bayern will not be moving for Kai Havertz this summer. Um, despite that, rumors that Kai Havertz wants out are still swirling. I'm sure they're only going to get worse after yesterday's uh, loss by Bayer Leverkusen because they're out of the Champions League for sure next summer. Tim, at this point, are we, are we approaching a situation where Bayern uh, should be significantly worried that they miss out on him in the summer and potentially miss out on him long term.
1: I don't think so. Uh, I'd be, I would still be very surprised if he does leave uh, this season. I think considering everything that's happened over the past few months, football, well, the world as a whole, um, but football in particular is very much as, as we've said, up in the air. Um, I don't think I can understand exactly why Chelsea have spent as much as they have on Timo Werner. He's somebody that has, for a number of years, consistently delivered very, very good results. And while Kai Havertz has, consi- has consistently delivered good results over a shorter period of time, he is still incredibly young. There, I could imagine a lot of people would look at that in the same way that you look at Mario Goetze as somebody that had this immense uh, talent when he was younger. Could that potentially disappear like very quickly. I'm not saying that they're that they're the same type of player. I'm not saying that they're the same uh, like physical build. I think Havertz is probably about six foot taller than Mario Goetze. Um I'm just saying that there is still that potential because Havertz is still so young. Uh I think there's a, a kind of a huge difference between how somebody like Havertz has been kind of presented to the world and how somebody like Killian Mbappe was. So Mbappe was regularly tearing teams apart. He was, he was tearing teams apart in France. Okay. I think a couple of people could do that on like, well, I'm sure that one of us could probably do that as well. Oh, no. But the fact that he was, um, that he was doing it in the champions league as well. And like, was such a star player in a team that had some really good players on it. So guys like uh, Thomas Lamar, like Fabinho and um, Bernardo Silva. And also he was doing this next to Radamel Falcao who, at one point, was the best striker in the world. The fact that he was able to stand out on that stage is probably the difference between uh, between Havertz and him. The fact that Leverkusen aren't in the Champions League is a really difficult uh, situation to to gauge because this is kind of the year where you need to see. Okay, so he can do it in the Bundesliga what can he do against against somebody else. So I think you just need to look at the last few games that Bayern have played to see that, you know, is Bayern's form really that impressive? Or is it just a matter of a lot of these Bundesliga teams are kind of just like rolling over and saying, ah oh, fine, have another win. I think it's when it's when he's gonna face genuinely tough competition. Um and I don't know, maybe it's a shame that the Euros aren't happening this year because he probably would have been a regular feature there as well. Um, I think it's it's really difficult to gauge exactly what's going on. Again, if I was a betting man, maybe I should just be a betting man and just like <laughs> get rid of all of these hypotheticals. Um, I wouldn't think that he is going to leave anytime soon because a lot of not many clubs have have the money to buy him. Um, not many clubs have the the necessity to buy him as well. Um, I think if anybody is that club. It probably is Bayern. We've got a more than likely outgoing midfielder. We need that creativity. Uh, As soon as you get Havertz in, that's kind of cover for the wings up top, somebody to play in the hole behind Lewandowski. He can cover all of these positions. Bayern are a very rich club. But because of the fact that the coronavirus has had such a huge impact on the footballing world, there aren't many teams that could afford him. So maybe he is just going to stay there for another year. I personally think that's the thing that he should do.
0: I brought this up in the chat, and I want to mention it on the podcast that well, as well, I know a lot of fans are are frustrated with uh, Rummenigge being so forthright and saying that Bayern aren't going for Harvard simply because of the financial aspect of it. Um, Leverkusen have made it clear they want close close to, if not over, €100 million. Euros, and that's simply not doable for Bayern uh, this summer. And... I want to say why I respect that decision. Obviously, it's you know it would be upsetting to see Kai Havertz go somewhere else, but I would rather see him go somewhere else than him to come to Bayern uh, under this massive transfer fee. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. Let's say you know the coronavirus doesn't go away. Let's say income levels stay down, and then all of a sudden Bayern have to start offloading um, either other key players or offloading Kai Havertz within a year or two. Uh, that's simply not the Bayern way. Of doing things, it's not the Bayern way to to spend big. Smart transfers uh, are are the classic Bayern way, except maybe Lucas Hernandez. Um, just look at Bayern's track record. Of course, signing Leroy Sané for under fifty million euros—that's just the Bayern way of operating. And so I wouldn't trade that to you know, even if it is to get a player as incredible as Kai Havertz has the potential to be, or even already is. So f- you know, for Bayern fans who are. I guess, really frustrated, really upset. I, I kind of understand where you're coming from, but at the same time, you know, Bayern not moving for Kai Havertz. Well, that's why, that's why part of the reason why we love this club so much is because of the way that they run things. And uh, that's part of what, what makes them the best club in Germany. Um, so maybe just trust the board, trust that they know what they're doing. Uh, but Sebastian, I'm sure you have some comments to make on this top, uh, on this topic.
2: Yeah, I guess I definitely do see a threat here that uh Harvard's could be going somewhere else. There are just clubs I can imagine doing this. Uh my worst fear maybe is a club like Real Madrid because that would be really awful. I mentioned that earlier. That that would just that would hurt in a way, uh, that most other uh possibilities wouldn't, I guess. Um what I what I f- also find kind of surprising here is that Leverkusen seem to be the only ones who haven't kind of taken uh, the whole corona situation properly into account. This is kind of surprising to me uh, because it seems like they could still get a pretty good sum for Kai Havertz if they were willing to just lower it a bit. Uh, I guess you have to wonder if 80 million more would not be better than the very vague possibility of 100 or 120 million uh, in one year's time because... Uh, in 2021 Havertz is just going to have one more year on his contract uh, he's not going to have played uh, Champions League football we don't know about the Euro so it's not like his, his price tag is naturally going, going to rise uh, to, to where Leverkusen is going to want to have it so I really wonder if Leverkusen is not going to be budge here and say okay we're, we're going to be fine with something around 80 million. And because there have been rumors that several clubs would probably be uh, willing to, si- uh, to sign up to like 80 million, including Bayern, including Chelsea, and clubs like that. So I can really see that happen, and I really wonder if that's kind of uh, still um, a possibility after what Dominic has said, because I think uh, the context of his words was really that... Uh, he had talked to Leverkusen about this, and he was just talking about not imagine to do this when he is going to cost like a hundred million or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the context of his words there. So if that price tag were to be uh, significantly lower than that, maybe this also changes. And I think that that would be would probably be good if it did. And I uh, I would still be in favor of Bayern signing him for something around eighty million, I suppose.
0: Yeah, that is definitely something worth considering, especially now that uh, Leverkusen are definitely not in the Champions League next year. Do they, you know, cut off twenty million euros to try and get some money this season? Especially because you can't um, you can't imagine Kai Havertz wants to spend another season playing there when there is no opportunity for the Champions League. So uh, definitely something, you know, like you said, despite. Uh, ruminiga's words for for Bayern fans to keep their eye on and maybe not completely give up hope uh, that something positive may come out of it for Bayern munich but Bayern don't play again until the champions league returns in august uh, but we will definitely plan on having some episodes before then uh, but that is all the time that we have for this one if you've enjoyed listening please do us a favor and leave us a five-star review we would greatly appreciate it if you want to get in touch with us there are a few ways you can do that you can email us at superbyronpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at superbyronpod and get in touch with us there. All of our episodes can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Go out and tell all your friends and we'll talk to you next time.